Are we good now? Yes, I think so. All right. Nothing like third time's a charm, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Whole Heart Podcast. I'm Eric Olivia, your host, and today we have a guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hey, guys. My name is Brandy Blewett. I am a graduate student at UNC Charlotte in North Carolina, and I'm also the co-host of the Not Your Average BS podcast, which covers topics from postgraduate life to trending topics and what's going on in the world. I love it. So today we're going to be diving in on how us as Christians, specifically white Christians, can be better allies for our Black brothers and sisters. And so um, we actually connected through the All Gals Supporting All Gals Facebook group. So shout out to any gals listening. Um, uh, and I just really wanted to have an open conversation all about how to be a better ally. So, um, Brendy, if you wanted to start just by giving an introduction on, you know, your kind of history with um, the church and Christianity in regards to your race. Sure. So I have grown up in the church ever since I was little. Um, My maternal grandparents became pastors when I was pretty young. um, So that definitely shaped my identity as well. And then when we moved to North Carolina, we're originally from Maryland. My parents got connected to a church here and took on leadership roles there as deacons. So I've just always been in the church since I was young. Um, Used to go to VBS all the time when I was little. And to the Bible conferences and things like that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Sweet. So, in it... shaping. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I it cut off. Sorry. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> um, so, that was when I was young, kind of church to the Black community, but it definitely not on the scale that I understand now that didn't really happen until like my high school undergrad years when I really started to understand the history and significance of the church through, well, honestly, after the civil, the civil war and then through the civil rights movement and even today, how significant it was as a meeting place and just as a connecting place for, for the black community. Um, and I think I've always understood that and then my my parents have also really just tried to drive into me and my three other siblings just how important not only church is but just having and building a relationship with God absolutely so is there anything that you've noticed like your white counterparts in regards to like your church and like any like injustice Mm -hmm. you might have seen like growing up like any sort of like even like microaggressions that you experienced like in the church Yes. Um, I honestly can't remember every single microaggression that I've experienced in my life, but there have been quite a few. And I think that it honestly, most of the time it comes from a place of not knowing. So Mm -hmm. when you don't know, you can't do better. And, you know, it might just be something that you picked up hearing from your parents or one of your friends or things like that. But I think as I've gotten older, I've seen a lot less of that, but I kind of have been surprised over the past few years when injustices have happened, you know, that kind of really spurred the Black Lives Matter movement, like Trayvon Martin um, and Eric Gardner and Michael Brown. Like, we really haven't seen the church speaking out 
about it and, you know, calling it what it is, saying that this is an injustice and that Black Lives Matter. And so when George Floyd's murder happened a, a couple months ago, I was very pleasantly surprised to see not only the Black church speaking about these topics as we typically do, but also several white churches as well. And I thought it was very necessary. It's very necessary to have those conversations in your church, whether you have one, you know, black person going there or several, um, it's, it's really important or none at all. It's still really important to have these conversations and to make sure that white people as the majority in this country understand and try and try to understand what black people are going through. And I think it honestly does start with the church. Absolutely. And those conversations are just so, so important. So one of the questions that I really think about a lot, because I feel like I see it a lot on social media, which is um, people using their faith to justify hate and specifically racism. So how do you respond to that? Honestly, I think that people who, you know, do use scripture to kind of justify their their beliefs and racism just really have a distorted view of Jesus and his teachings and who he was. Um, throughout the Bible, several times we see Jesus standing up against injustice, um, calling people out, really just being that catalyst for, for change in the communities that he was a part of. And one scripture that sticks out to me a lot is the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15. And I think of this one a lot when I see white Christians saying, oh, like all lives matter, blah, 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 that kind of, that kind of argument. Um, And I just kind of go back to this, to this scripture where Jesus poses this question um, to the Pharisees saying, what man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it. And I think that is just so important and so relevant to what we're experiencing now where not all lives are being targeted right now. It's, it's black lives that are being targeted. It's black lives that are experiencing the most oppression, 400 plus years of oppression that the United States has really never come to terms with. We don't live in a transracial society as much as people like to think that we live in some kind of idolized society like that. But I mean, it just really goes to show that if you have one sheep or one person, one community that is experiencing pain and turmoil and oppression at the hands of not only the police in terms of police brutality, but also the government and many other systems and institutions in this country, then we need to focus our attention on on that community, on that one sheep. Um, so I think that people, the white Christians who really just, I think they really just need to take a deeper dive into the Bible and really challenge themselves to think outside of what, you know, they may have been taught growing up because, you know, back in the day, I'm, I do live in the South. I know that Christianity was often used as a reason to continually justify racism, not only just now, but also historically. Right. So I think that people need to kind of challenge those beliefs, um, those thoughts that they may have been brought up in and really just seek out the word for themselves. Absolutely. I feel like there's a lot of power in like seeking and like digging into the Bible for yourself and rejecting what you've been taught even if it what you've been taught has been taught to you by pastors or mentors or mm-hmm. you know godly people but taking a deeper look for yourself and challenging those thoughts I feel like is a really healthy thing one of the thing that comes to mind for me is you know how Jesus responds to the Pharisees and how 
the Pharisees were always so like they seemed to be holier than thou and like mm-hmm. this always kind of like brought them back down and one thing specifically is in Matthew 23 it it's called the seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees and it's just seven like different ways that he's kind of like bringing the Pharisees to light and all the things that they're doing and in verse 13 it says but woe to you scribes and Pharisees you hypocrites for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much of a child of hell as yourselves. And I just feel like that just so, like, not only did it apply to the Pharisees then, but I feel like it applies to, you know, those people now who are using their faith and their religion and Jesus's name as a voice of hate because in reality mm-hmm. it should like christianity is all about love it should never be a voice of hate exactly agreed 100 percent. yeah and also i like to jump back this is like my favorite verse ever it was like my graduation verse when i you know private lutheran school things but graduated mm-hmm. eighth grade um but like galatians three twenty eight, there's neither jew nor greek slave nor free male nor female for all is one in christ jesus like everybody like if you look at the christian church at least for me all i see is equality like for mm-hmm. all is one in christ jesus so i just it kind of blows my mind that people use it as a catalyst for hate mm-hmm. yeah so definitely what do you think um like white people specifically christians like if like what do you think that we could do better yeah so i starts with simply just listening and not listening to respond but really listening to understand Mm -hmm. um you're not gonna fully understand or even try to understand conversation with them about what their experience has been anything that they've they've seen or experienced growing up I mean even if you sit down with someone like that went to the same school as you one's black one's white they're they're those two experiences are going to likely be vastly different um so really just sitting down to have that kind of that kind of initial conversation and really just listen and try to understand the lived experience of someone else. Mm-hmm. And then after you kind of listen and sit down with multiple people, I think it's really important to then challenge yourself to learn. So to learn and unlearn. So maybe unlearn some of those implicit biases that you may have and not realize it. I mean, many people have their own, their own biases implicitly and don't realize it. Like, why do you hold your purse closer to you when you see a black man walking on the side of the street? Or why do you kind of watch the black person that you see in the store to make sure they're not stealing anything? Or why do you automatically assume that because a black person got a scholarship to a really great college that they're automatically an athlete. So it's really just challenging yourself to unlearn that those thought, those thoughts and the behaviors and actions that you may do. And after you unlearn, then it's time to start learning about what the black community has been going through for the past 400 years and even beyond. So what does redlining look like and what are the implications of that today? What, um, 
are the problems with the 13th Amendment and how do we allow mass incarceration in this country and how do we have it here or legally? Um, so just really challenging yourself to seek out some different information and from a wide variety of sources um, will really ha- will really help. And honestly, like you really can't, you don't, you're not going to be able to educate others and to really be, you know, that one person that's always going to stand up for equality and for Black lives until you unlearn your biases and you also challenge yourself to learn. Because until you do that, you're not going to be equipped with the necessary tools and the knowledge and the information to then educate others. So I would say, you know, starts with listening, then unlearning and learning, and then educating others. So going off of the educating others, this is something that I've kind of struggled with, especially like recently when everything I feel like on social media is regarding to like the Black Lives Matter movement. And I want to be an advocate and I want to educate others, but it's the it's the struggle between advocating and speaking up and also recognizing that we need to be amplifying black voices and letting black people be heard. So mm-hmm. as a black person, what is your advice um for people trying to balance those two things? Yeah, definitely. I think you can definitely do both. Um, you know, so that's sharing black activists or black lives, just directing people to look at their profiles. Um, there's a lot of great people on Instagram who are posting like different kinds of content that's like informative or just interactions they have in their daily lives to, to talk more about the black lives matter movement. So I definitely think you can do both. Um, And that really just starts with, you know, amplifying Black voices, like you said, but also sharing that within your own circles and your own networks, because it's likely that, you know, your white counterparts may not be following or listening or sharing some of the same content that you are. Um, So when you do have those opportunities to reshare that, I think I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. And I also feel like another subtopic going off of this, what is your like experiences and like thoughts on like performative advocacy um, and what are some ways that like you can educate others on their own performative ag- advocacy? Yeah, a great question. Um, my our previous episodes, but I think there's kind of a fine line and you, you kind of know when you get there, mm-hmm. like really just assess and ask yourself, why am I sharing this? Is it because like, I don't want to be viewed as racist? Is it because Black Lives Matter is trendy right now? Um, Because I think that has happened in a lot of cases. These wondering where have you been the past six years, like Black Lives Matter isn't a new movement. It isn't a new cause. Um, So I think really just challenging yourself and making sure you are just because everyone's posting a Black square, but because you genuinely care and want to support the Black community. And that also goes be, you know, sharing whenever George Floyd was murder officially um, initially happened I feel like a lot of people were kind of carrying on that conversation we were we were seeing Black Lives Matter and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd flooded on our timelines and our social our social feeds but that goes beyond that one week you know making make sure you're integrating that content into your daily lives make sure you're always seeking out 
black voices that you can amplify and listen to and understand from, you know, just make sure you're continuing this, this movement that's happening and that you're not just participating in it, in it for a moment because it's trendy or it's popular. Right. So I have one last question for you. What is your prayer? What is your hope for like the church in regards to like the race conversation, the black lives matter movement in the next Mm -hmm. like 10, 15 years? I honestly really pray that it's going to be a lot easier and slowly get more comfortable for the white church specifically to have these tough conversations. Um, Black people have been getting murdered by police brutality and other, other means. And for the past 400 plus years, and we're just now having these conversations. So I'm really praying and hoping that the church will be more willing to have these conversations and more willing to just sit down with other black people and have those conversations. Um, Like a few weeks ago when George Floyd's murder did happen, Pastor Stephen um, from Elevation Church sat down with Pastor John Gray just to have a really like open and candid conversation in America. And I thought it was just such a great conversation and a great example of what needs to be happening in churches everywhere. And, you know, it shouldn't take the video of George Floyd's murder for you to understand that there's a problem Mm -hmm. to move beyond that in the church as well. Um, And just really seeking out opportunities for conversation. And if you're a predominantly white church, um, finding out how you can be a more diverse church, um, seeking out opportunities for community outreach and engagement and making sure that you're doing everything for the right reasons. Absolutely. Brendy, thank you so much for talking with me today about this. Um, Is there any way that our listeners can like follow you, follow your podcast, support everything that you're doing? Definitely. So my personal Instagram is at brendy.alana and I post a lot of great resources on there as well. And then my podcast Instagram account is at notyouraveragebs. Sweet. Thank you again so much for talking with me today. And for everybody who is um, curious, I'm going to have some more resources in the um, the podcast notes. So there's going to be a ton of resources there for different like articles and books that you can read and petitions to sign and links for donations and all of that good stuff. So I highly encourage you to check that out um, and to just further educate yourself. Any last words, Brendy? Lyric, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. I really enjoyed it, and I'm really thankful for this opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much.